Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Monday edition of the Great Scott Show. And when Glorious is playing on a Monday, you know it was a winning weekend. Saints beat the Pats. They know their identity. They know how they can win, how they have to win. Finally back home in New Orleans after two months away. On top of that, the Cajuns go to Georgia Southern. They get the W, 28-20. LSU won in Starkville. By three points, cover the spread by half a point. I know LSU fans were happy about that. Sports, as we tend to have. You had high school football back on Friday with some uh, notable performances. U.S. looking dominant in the Ryder Cup. We're going to have open phone lines for most of the show this morning. I'd love to hear from you guys, 269-1077, uh, except at 715 because that's when the phone line will be occupied by one Billy Napier, Louisiana Region Cajun head coach, will join me for a one-on-one coming up here at uh, quarter after 7. Looking forward to that. Oh, man. How's everybody feeling? Enjoying the weather? Did you enjoy your weekend? I hope you did. I hope you did. You know, the Saints, you could say what you want about the performance. You could say that there were moments for, you know, pretty much the entire third quarter that were eh, maybe not uh, aesthetically pretty football. But Coach Payton said all week going into the game, can't lose a turnover battle in New England. You'll you'll if 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 you lose it, you'll lose every time. And when they started winning the turnover battle, they began to just grind things out. They couldn't get the offense going in the third quarter. And the biggest play of the game, aside from Malcolm Jenkins' pick six, which was a complete gaffe by the Patriots receiver, but hey, when you're around the football, a lot of good things happen. And Malcolm Jenkins has more um you know, defensive touchdowns than any player in the league over the last 10 years with the exception of Aqib Tlaib and Janoris Jenkins. But outside of that play, the biggest play of the game really was third and 10 out route, Winston Deontay Harris. The Saints' offense had been just in a lull. It hadn't done a single thing offensively the second half. New England had come back. It was 21-13. It's a one-possession game. Are they about to? They have all the momentum. They're about to force another three and out. Saints couldn't get anything going. He completes the pass to Harris, and then that began a, we'll call it, big boy drive. 
then you start grinding out some tough yards. Kamara's breaking off runs. Tony Jones, Taysom Hill. As Alvin Kamara said after the game, Sean told us early he wanted to win the running battle. He didn't care. He wanted to protect the ball and win the rushing battle. We went run heavy. Stuck to it throughout the game. Look, when you don't have Michael Thomas, when you don't have Traquan Smith, when you apparently don't have receivers that are great at getting open, you find different ways to win. It was a conservative game plan. And it worked. Now listen, you can you can you can't coach the Jameis out of Jameis. You can't. As a head coach, as a play caller, your 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 best hope is to just like tame it, if you can tame it, because on the touchdown throw to Marquez Callaway, that was the dumb Jameis throw, right? At the very least, just throw it away, Jameis. Get three points. Get get something out of this drive. The one thing you can't do above all else right here is turn the ball over. And well, he threw a ball up that. Could have easily been turned over. But as he said, you know what? It was all part of God's plan. Mike Triplett asked him after the game, what did Sean Payton tell you? You know, what did what did Sean Payton tell you after the game? He said, uh, you know, he said, don't do that again. But uh, it was it was all, uh, you know, that throw was just, just part of God's plan. That was all God. I felt zero. Um, so I checked it. And that was all God. Like I was trying to throw that ball away. Marquez went up there and snatched it. Uh, so touchdown, good guys. <laughs> it was it was a big play. It was a big play, no doubt. But one that you know, let's be real. That that's the kind of thing that can just lose you the game, drive you crazy. I mean, Jameis looks scared to throw the ball in the second half. I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly what Sean Payton told him, but you know what? Here's the here's the whole thing if you want to hear it. Talk us through your decision to throw the TD pass to Marcos Callaway, even though you were you were kind of wrapped up. Yeah, that, what did you see on that play? That was all God. I felt zero, um, so I checked it. And that was all God. Like, I was trying to throw that ball away. Marquez went up there and snatched it. Uh, so, touchdown, good guys. What, what was the message to you after that throw? Like, <laughs> don't do it again, but good throw? Or <laughs> if you're throwing away, make sure you throw it away. I said, and I told him, I said, God. I said, Coach, that's all God. Can't get in, can't get in the way of God's plan. Jameis, what the bleep are you doing there? Can't stop God's plan, coach. ESPN1420.com. A, a number of things to take away. One, the fact that the Saints are 2-1 and one <clears throat> without a, a quality starting receiver currently available on the roster. And more than that, the fact that they've been away from New Orleans for so long. And that starts to grind on you. Even, you know, let's remember, they got back... You know, they got to New Orleans, started camp, camp's busy, in training camp, you're still there, then you evacuate. It it almost feels like a long, long training camp of like 10 weeks. I mean, these guys, they're ready. They're ready to well, get how home. How excited are you about this plane ride that you're about to take? I'm ready. We're not Right when I get done with y'all, I'm about to go get on the plane. <laughs> they're ready. It's Alvin Kamara, ready to get home. 
the, the idea, I mean, Sean Payton has instilled this idea of, look, you know what? Grin and Barrett just embrace the grace to suck. We've been at TCU for a while. What did Kamara say afterwards? I don't really care for the Dallas thing. Nice facility, thankful, appreciate what they did, but I want to. I want to be home. Dealing with the COVID nineteen outbreak, you had eight missing coaches in the week two loss. You were still missing coaches yesterday. Eleven key players missed time against the Panthers. The Superdome was on fire last week. You know it. It's. Tell you what, man, Malcolm. What's the last month been like, Malcolm Jenkins? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been this is a unique situation um, to be away from home for a month, coming straight off of you know training camp. It's almost like we've been in training camp for it feels like two and a half months now. Um, but you know, we weather through it. The only thing that we can control is what happens actually in the game and on the field. Um, so we try to put all our focus on on the game plan, the preparation, the practices. And I know everybody's you know. Guys have been away from their families, been away from the city, their homes. Excited to go back, but also excited to open up uh, with our first first game in front of our fans. Pretty impressive that they're two and one. Pretty impressive. I don't know if the Patriots are any good, but either way, to go in there and get a win on the road after what they've been dealing with, very impressive. We'll talk more Saints. We'll have open phone lines a little bit later on in the show. I have some more sound from post game from Sean Payton, Jameis, and others. We're going to talk UL football. Their win twenty eight to twenty against Georgia Southern, who made a change, who let go of their coach Chad Lunsford this weekend, following the loss on Saturday evening. LSU's win at Mississippi State we're going to dig into. You know what? We're just going to put three on the line, run a little 3-2-6, and uh, they're not going to run the ball, are they? Mike Leach isn't going to run it, so let's just cover a bunch of guys. In the end, they did enough. They got a W. Lots to get into. It's the Great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere. We're right back right after this. Tomlin flushed out of the pocket all the way back at his 40 now he gets rid of the football and it's incomplete the Cajuns brought pressure and it was Chris Moncrief along with Chauncey Manack that harassed Tomlin and the Cajuns will take over on downs The Cajuns will take over on downs. You heard that from Jay Walker more than once on Saturday in Louisiana's 28-20 win over Georgia Southern. Four turnover on downs by the defense and a um, competitive Sunbelt Conference game Saturday in Statesboro. Louisiana comes away victorious. Joining us now, the head football coach of Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, Billy Napier. Good morning, coach. How are you feeling on this Monday? Good, Scott. How about you, man? How you doing? I'm doing great. I appreciate you asking. Uh, let's let's dig into the game. I know that, <clears throat> you know, after week two's win, 
you guys said, you know, we didn't we didn't really feel like we played raging Cajun football. And then after the week three win, the locker a bit more celebratory. I remember Lorenzo McCaskill saying that was raging Cajun football, as he put it. Do you guys feel like you played raging Cajun football in Statesboro against Georgia Southern? Yeah, I really do. I think it, um, at times uh, we can execute better. But overall, the intangibles of our team, right? I'm talking about um, the toughness, the effort, uh, the physicality. You know, I thought the poise within the game to play through the ups and downs of the game. And then to make critical plays and critical moments, um, really thought our team had, um, you know, the right disposition. We were ready to play. Uh, I think there are things that we can learn, lessons that we can learn in certain areas from a technical standpoint that we can improve. But in general, we were in the right frame of mind. We knew it was going to be difficult. That's a very difficult place to play. Um, I think they've won like 11 out of the last 13 there at home. And, you know, we were one of those two years ago. So uh, Paulson Stadium, you know, that fan base, those students, and certainly those athletes can present a number of issues. And they played better, right? They played probably their best game of the season. And um, it was competitive, man. And, and certainly we had our opportunities to break the game open. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that we'll learn from the game. Right. You, you, didn't, you weren't able to, I guess, um, step on their, their throat metaphorically. Uh, but, but you mentioned – Time, right? The timing of some of those. Uh, you know, the defense gave up, I think, 278 rushing yards. But when when it was time to make the big play, a lot of I think nine, maybe nine tackles for loss, forced fumble, three sacks, interception, seven pass breakups. It felt like the timing a lot of the night when you really needed it. Those were the moments where it's like, all right, somebody's got to go make a play. And more times than not, whenever the moment called for it, your defense was able to do it. Yeah, you know, you take um, – I think they had one one run for about 75. You take that out, you know, they're at about 3.3 a carry. Um, you know, they had the one sixteen play drive to open the game, you know, where they had four third-down conversions. Uh, outside of that, they're two for 12, I think, on the day, and, and really one for five on fourth down. So we dominated the conversion downs. If you take the fourth down stop and the interception, we got five takeaways. Uh, I thought our defense played their tail off, man. I was really, really proud of the way our defense played in the game. And uh, certainly, um, you know, offensively, we we did just enough. The big play passing game, the touchdowns in the red area. uh, We played turnover-free football. And I think, you know, we're probably five or six completions away from really having an exceptional day. So, Overall, uh, we we um, 83 um, yards uh, in the kicking game advantage. We do have a lot of work to do to continue to get better and clean things up. But you put our team together, offense, defense, and game changers. Uh, we did enough to win. Uh, you got the W right. That's that's what matters most uh, in terms of the passing game. Dante Fleming had had four catches for 70. I think Kyron Lacey had three, and you had couple players with two, a lot of players with one. I mean, when all was said and done, you had, I think, 10 or 11 different players uh, catch, you know, one of the balls that Levi Lewis completed. We knew that you guys were going to have a lot of depth 
I guess is the word to use at receiver and tight end. As a play caller coach, what is it difficult to have that many guys when you know that you know can play and you're kind of subbing in and out? Does it is there at times cooks in the kitchen or do you love just having all those ingredients in the pantry? Well, I think I think that uh, it's good for your team to have competitive depth. You know, I think it's good when you have competition within the week. Um, I think that leads to better practice habits. I think it creates urgency and intensity and focus in the meetings, the walkthroughs, and practice because they know that we are evaluating everything that they do relative to getting an opportunity to run out there and play. Uh, so it's been a strength of our team, in my opinion, so far, uh, and we'll continue to build around that. I think um, you know, there's been times around here where we were looking for maybe another receiver or two to step up and make some plays, and I think now uh, we've recruited well, um, we've evaluated well, and we've got more depth than typical at the if if everyone is healthy at that position, what is the game plan going in in terms of of reps? I know it. I'm not asking specifically like about this. Will this specific player get that much? But do you say, all right, these three will run out this series, and when we get to this series, it changes, or does that evolve during the game? I think it's a combination of both. You know, I think we um, we meet on game day. We talk about every position on our team play the players we organize the special teams depth chart in a way um you know where we've got lots of players that contribute uh, to the team i think it's good for our culture it's good for chemistry and morale the more roles that we can create on our team the better Uh, and the cumulative effect of that is a team that really got a lot of players that are invested uh it's a philosophy that we have and um I think it's it's been one of the reasons that we've been able to to play winning football and have a good locker room, you know, while we've been here. Billy Napier, our guest, Louisiana Raging Cajun head football coach, Cajuns three and one, one and zero in Sunbelt Conference play, um, making plays. Fry Gardner made quite a few, uh, led the team in tackles. I know he was happy to be back on the field, uh, having him back on the defense. What is what does it mean, not just in terms of what I guess the viewers can see in terms of what he does on the field, but what does he bring to the defense outside of just the playmaking and the athletic ability? Well, I think Farad's an intelligent young man. Uh, he certainly has a high football IQ, uh, and he's a guy that communicates well. And I think that affects the players around him. They play better. You know, I think that uh, he's got experience. And he's a little bit different athlete. You know, I think his ability to run, he's loose-hipped. And he's got good play strength, you know, to be a little bit undersized. You know, so, you know, certainly always good to have him out there. And he was productive. Uh, No question that, you know, he played one of the better games on defense of the defensive players. And I think he's one of our players in the game. So, uh, in general, uh, Friday is a heck of a football player. And more importantly, I think he's really grown up as a person, you know, his, um, academically, you know, he, he has, um, got a plan. He worked hard. He's, he's working on a master's degree. Uh, he did multiple internships this spring and this summer. Uh, he's really come a long way and we're, we're really proud of him. 
Coach, against Ohio, you you noted the uh, offensive line having your your all your sort of starters on the depth chart all back and the impact that that had um, on Saturday when Carlos Rubio went down. Certainly, um, there was some worry there and concern for him. Uh, how is he? How is he doing there? And and the follow up question would be: How did you feel your O line did adjusting after his injury? Well, Carlos uh, has a pretty significant injury. Um, you know, we're still, you know, evaluating that. Um, but I do think that we will expect um, Carlos to be out, you know, for a pretty significant time here. Um, you know, we went back to our original lineup that we played with the first two games, Ken Marks at left tackle, A.J. Gilly at left guard. Um, and, you know, I think, Followed um, up well. I thought in protection in particular, we had a good day. You know, had a clean pocket for the most part. Um, I do think in the run game, um, you know, we, we they moved quite a bit, you know, and they pressured quite a bit to disrupt the run game. I thought we handled that well at times, and there are other times where we can do uh, better. So, you know, in general there, I think that, we need to do a better job blocking on the perimeter. You know, when you really evaluate the run game, uh, we were 4.4 a rush, uh, and we're you know we're a handful of plays away from breaking a couple and making that goal for the week at five point yards a rush. So, you know, we need to block the edges better. We need to block on the perimeter better, and we need to have better eye discipline, footwork, and be more decisive at running back. Right? I think that. Sometimes we always want to just talk about the offensive line. But when I evaluate the running plays in the game for this past Saturday, I see opportunities to improve in terms of how we block force, uh, how we play on the edges, and how our running backs play relative to the fundamentals and the decisiveness. Uh, Outside of that, um, you know, 4.4 rush, you know, we're close to our goal, but, you know, I think that, we can improve there for sure. We came up short. This is not so much an X's and O's question, just a question as a head coach. You know, you have a, a special relationship with your players, coach, and um, when any player, I guess, goes down, how difficult is it sort of in the moment to to have a moment, right, uh, with the player and, and, and yet also in the context of, you know, is part of the game, but you have to get kind of right back in there and, and coach and, and win a football game. Does that question make sense? Yeah, no, I think it's common. Um, and I do think it's a challenge. You know, I think that uh, it, it's, um, you know, and I think it, that not only myself, but I think um, every player and every coach, everybody within the organization kind of goes through that same thing when a guy gets injured. Um, and it, it's a tough part of the game, right? I mean, this is a, this is a, um, this game's not for everybody. Let's mm-hmm. just put it that way. So, um, I think that, you know, I think that I've got a lot of respect, uh, for players that work hard to play this game and then go play it the right compete on game day. Uh, there's a ton of work that's done behind the scenes and I don't think people really understand relative to what these guys have to do year-round to prepare. Uh, and then, you know, the big thing is they miss out on the opportunity to compete, which is the fun part, right? So 
Uh, that's probably the biggest thing to me is uh, just seeing the guy the guy work year round and and really work hard to get in position to contribute to have a role to enjoy uh, and relish that opportunity to compete and then that injury takes away that opportunity so uh, that's the hardest part you know and I know how hard some of these guys have worked not only this year but over several years you know working to develop to improve who they were as a person, who they were as a football player, and how far they'd come, and then to miss out on some of those opportunities. Um, I do think this about injuries. I do think that if you have the right perspective, they can become a positive, right? I think it's important um, when things don't go our way that we maintain perspective, that we uh, use them um, as an opportunity to learn. I think the rehab process sometimes can help you develop discipline. It can remind you uh, of of things that you you know things maybe you took for granted you know uh, before. So uh, there's good and bad that come with it, and uh, certainly you know it's a tough part of the job and a tough part of the game. So uh, we always try to make the best of it. Certainly, we'll do that in this situation as well. Coach Billy Napier, our our guest. Did you ever? I know you play, you know, college quarterback. What was the, I guess, the the most difficult injury you dealt with during your playing career? I had lots of injuries. Uh, <laughs> I was an option quarterback. Um, you know, probably had both shoulders, um, several concussions, and uh, had a a knee that got drained. Um, and injected every week for about 12 weeks the year with, that we played the national championship game. So um, a little bit of everything. Um, I had pretty daggone close relationship with our trainers at gotcha. Furman. I would tell you that. Yeah. Uh, Brian Reese and Phil Head, uh, two men that you know helped me, and certainly I still to this day have a close relationship with Brian. Um, actually got a note in the mail from him the other day. So. Um, you know, I think that that's a position in your organization that's so important. Uh, the athletic trainers uh, and what they do. We're fortunate to have some really uh, professional, experienced veteran people leading that area. Uh, Tony Hill is in his first year. He's done a terrific job this year. Uh, Chris Liddy, Liz Garcia, Shana Sinceri, Jason McGee. Um, we've got five people there that work, you know, year-round, 24-7, 365, and take care of our players and try to position them uh, to have success, and we're certainly thankful for them. Coach Billy Napier has been our guest. Just a few more for you, Billy. Your quarterback, Levi Lewis, how would you grade his performance on Saturday? His quarterback efficiency rating was 170, which is really, really good. Um, but I think Levi and I both agree that there was probably – six plays in the game where, you know, if he'll do what he's supposed to do, um, make a better decision, make a more accurate throw, um, you know, he would have he would have had a day that everybody in the country would have been talking about. So uh, he did play turnover-free football. Uh, we missed some opportunities, but I'm going to tell you what, you know, he, he absolutely uh, competed through a slow start and made two of the best, uh, deep ball throws of his career. Um, you know, that throw to 
Michael Jefferson and that throw to Dante Fleming were, were elite. Um, two big-time throws, and that's an area on our team where we've worked hard to improve, and I think some of that work is showing up. But, you know, 170 is a good day at the office, especially when you throw three touchdowns and no interceptions. But third down, um, it was not a good day for us, right? We were 3 of 15 on conversion downs, and, you know, those are the areas where maybe he could have made the difference, you know, in a couple possessions, and he knows that. Um, so, you know, that's, that's pretty much the way I see it, and I think most people that watch the game would say the same thing. Yes, sir. All right, um, Coach. South Alabama this upcoming Saturday, another road game in conference play. They're off to a uh, to a three and zero start. Um, I know it's it's a ways away, but um, you know, any early thoughts on the Jaguars? Yeah, uh, they've got athletes. You know, they've got big, fast, explosive players at every position. They always have. Uh, they're going to be tough. They're going to be physical, um, and certainly with the new staff. You know, you've got new wrinkles on offense, defense, and the kicking game. Uh, they've found ways to win. Um, you know, beat Southern Miss, Bowling Green, and Alcorn State. They're off to a 3-0 and start. They had an open date last week. Uh, so they've got two weeks to get ready for this conference opener for them. Uh, and we got to go play at their place at 7 o'clock, um, you know, which will be a challenge. It'll be a bus trip for us over there. Um you know, there's some challenges that come with that. But um, in general, um, you know, they always require uh, the utmost respect. You know, we've played them three times since we've been here, uh, and it's always tough. you got to be ready to go. And uh, certainly with a new staff uh, and probably, I would say, 12 to 15 transfers, you know, they they got a different team, and certainly we gotta, we're going to have to be at our best. Final football question for you, Coach. It's uh, it's a tough business at times, and uh, Chad Lunsford was let go by Georgia Southern. I know a number of coaches in the Sun Belt. You guys uh, talk and 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 get along. I'm not sure what your relationship was like with him, but when you heard that news, what were your thoughts? Well, it's a tough part of the profession. Um, you know, I think Chad Lunsford's a good man. All right, I think he's he's got a great foundation. You know, relative to who he is as a person, uh, his family, his faith. Uh, he has passion for people and for players, uh, and he's an absolute class act. So uh, I've known Chad for a while, and I've been very impressed with him just in general. Uh, and I, I thought his team was uh, very motivated. I thought they played hard. I thought they played tough in the game. Uh, and I thought they had good plans you know, on the offense, defense, and the kicking game uh, this past week. You know, I can't speak for the entire body of his work, but uh, I know that when we've had we've had to play those guys, they've been ready to play, and their intangibles uh, have been always been really good. So, you know, Georgia Southern is uh, a place that cares about football, um, and certainly, you know, these things come with the territory. You know, especially at a place that has high expectations, that has that level of history and tradition. So, you know, Chad's a friend of mine. I'll do anything I can do to help him uh, down the road. Uh, he knows that. And, um, you know, I just hate it for his staff and for the families and all the people that are involved. And, and this early in the year mm-hmm. can be tough for the players as well. So, 
Uh, but I've got nothing but respect for Chad Munsford. Yeah, you mentioned family. Um, you know, he's been married for, I think, almost 20 years, three kids, Sophie, Rhett, and Josie. So, of course, my final question, Coach, is long road trip. I think you guys' second to longest road trip of the season was this past weekend. Um, so by the time you get home, you know, the kids are probably sleeping unless they woke up in the middle of the night. But uh, what was the first thing the kiddos told you whenever they saw you on Sunday? Believe it or not, um, I got home at 2.30 or something like that. And then, um, you know, we, Annie Joe actually had a soccer tournament out of town. So I didn't get a chance to see him until later that day. Got a chance to see him a little bit this morning before school. But, um, you know, we'll catch up tonight for family dinner. Um, we always do that on Monday uh, evenings. Uh, and then come back to the office and get back to work. But, um, no, I, I think the good thing is Sammy's finally getting to an age where when he's watching the game and he cares about who's winning. So uh, he he went to bed, and uh, he made his mama wake him up and tell him to score uh, when the game was over. So that's a good thing. Uh, he's starting to figure it out a little bit. Well, win or lose, uh, it's always great to have those kids that bring you right back down to earth where you need to be, right? No doubt, no doubt. Coach, I appreciate you always taking the time, and um, thanks for uh, all the details, all the knowledge, and we'll talk to you later this week. All right. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate you covering our team, man. I'll see you around. You got it. That is Louisiana Raging Cajun head coach, Billy Napier. (laughs) When we come back... College football. Just talked a lot of it with Coach Napier. Some of the biggest surprises in the world of college football over the weekend. We'll dig into college football's week four. And the team that suffered, ooh, gut-wrenching loss. We'll dig into all that and more, plus open phone lines. Getting back into NFL talk and Saints in the 8 o'clock hour. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after this. Into the great Scott show. I'm Scott Prather. Big thanks to Louisiana Ranger Cajun head coach Billy Napier. Got into a lot in that interview. If you missed some of it, it'll be up on the Great Scott Show podcast page. You can listen to the Great Scott Show podcast wherever you listen to your podcast Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, download, subscribe. Give me a nice rating. That'd be nice. Listen to the show on demand. College football. So, uh, the, I, I think there are a couple of big winners in college football. One, Notre Dame. I told you guys they were going to beat Wisconsin. I didn't think they were going to beat them 41-13. to 13. Brian Kelly's now the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. 
the Irish defense is ferocious. And as much as Notre Dame gets hated on, they've consistently been pretty good. Oh, they're overrated. The problem with that, and it's not necessarily an inaccurate statement, the problem is many compared Notre Dame to uh, the, the bar that they set in comparison with the attention they get is that of Bama or, or Clemson, more on Clemson in a minute, or Ohio State, what have you. And that's just not where they're at, but they are really good and they're 4-0. and and to me, some of the bigger surprises in college football are the teams that are 4-0. and Wake Forest needs to be in the top 25, y'all. I mean, they're undefeated. They're undefeated. San Diego State's undefeated. Remember Brady Hoke? UT San Antonio, the Rudd Roadrunners, who the Cajuns beat last year in the bowl game, are legit CUSA title contenders. They beat Memphis, who beat Mississippi State the week before. Michigan State is undefeated. Maryland is undefeated. They beat West Virginia earlier this year. Now, they're about to go play um, Iowa next week. It's in College Park. It's in Maryland. But that's kind of the show-me game for them. Iowa's good. BYU, undefeated. Boston College, undefeated. Well, look, they beat Colgate, UMass, and Tip. Ooh, well, now they beat Mizzou in overtime. Baylor, who was 2-7 and seven last year under Dave Aranda, are undefeated. They beat Iowa State, Arkansas. I didn't think they were going to beat Texas A&M, and they beat them double digits. I mean, they Sam Pittman, shout out to him. Yes, sir. One of the more impressive teams and surprises to me in college football. LSU, they decided, you know what? We're just going to run three-man on defense. We're at a little 3-2-6. Going to drop back into coverage, and uh, that's how we're going to play Mike Leach's team, and that's what they did. They held an 18-point lead. Mississippi State chipped away at it in the last few minutes. But ultimately, the Tigers did what they needed to do. They got the win, and they covered the spread by a half a point. By a half a point. It was um, a game I picked LSU to win a close one by a field goal. That's what happened. Mississippi State is, eh. And then you got Auburn, who didn't look too good against Georgia State for a while, but a ranked team going into Tiger Stadium this Saturday. We'll see what happens then. You want to comment on any of that? We're talking football on this Monday. 269-1077-269-1077. It's the phone number to call. I'm Scott Prather. A lot of NFL stuff to get into as well, which we haven't touched on yet. We've only touched on the Saints, but whew, a lot to get into. All right, let's let's do it. ESPN 1420.com. Hello. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sorry. Hi. Um I have one quick question. I'm going to hang up and hear your, uh, your answer on the other line, on the other side. Uh, did the Miami Dolphins win? You have a good one. Thank you. Uh, no, the Dolphins did not win. They lost 31-28. to Two. They lost to the Las Vegas Raiders. How about the AFC West? You have three teams ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs in the standings. Raiders and Broncos are undefeated. The Chargers are almost undefeated, but they're 2-1, and one, and they beat 
the Chiefs yesterday. And 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 for how great they looked in the red zone, what are you doing scoring too early a touchdown with 32? Don't don't give Patrick Mahomes any time. It didn't work out, but hey. When you leave a good, a good quarterback enough time, they can make you pay. Watch Sunday Night Football last night, and you'll see that. But uh, but no, the uh, the Dolphins uh, Dolphins did not win. I didn't really. Uh, they lost in overtime. I think it was thirty one twenty eight. Packers beat Niners. Vikings beat Seahawks. Rams beat Bucks. Raiders beat Dolphins. Broncos shut out the Jets. Titans beat the Colts. I mean, look. Like I told y'all, Teddy Bridgewater against the spread, he's basically printing money for you. Titans beat the Colts. Bengals, how about the Bengals, beat the Steelers. Falcons beat the Giants. Uh, Chargers beat the Chiefs. Cardinals beat the Jags. Ravens beat the Lions on a uh, the NFL record 66-yard walk-off field goal by Justin Tucker. Browns clobbered the Bears. Bills clobbered the uh, Washington football team. Saints beat the Patriots. You got Philly and Dallas tonight. There's your NFL scoreboard rundown. Let's head back to the phone lines. Good morning. All right, let me get serious. Hey, uh, two words, man. Justin Tucker, man. Uh, The play leading up to that, that fourth and 19, um, Scott, man. Hey, just seeing him hit that field goal and seeing how they went wild. I, (laughs) I don't know, man. I never, man, I was hyped. I, I, you see, I, this is how I felt. First of all, if anyone was going to do it, it was going to be him. I mean, he's, he, he, Morton Anderson's in the Hall of Fame. Justin Tucker will be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame one day. Um, but I, I kind of went a different route. Like, I immediately just felt so bad for the Lions, like, and their fans, because Tom Dempsey has a career long, which he hit against them. You know, uh, and that was the record for so many years. I think wasn't it the same score? Wasn't it nineteen seventeen? I mean, they, they you look at Justin Tucker hit a sixty one yarder against them, like law, like walk off, like, and then he hits the sixty six yarder yesterday. Like they're on the wrong end of so much kicking history, and on top of that, there was a delay a game call that that obviously was missed on the play before Tucker's kick, and and of course uh, but, that happened you know, like, to the Lions, but. but, but. No, I think that, and, and, and how many times they they tell us this? what we see on the TV screen is not what's in the stadium. No, no, did, they, did they, they, they the keep stadium? the, 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 you have the beat, right? So the zero second, once it hits zero, it's not like it's instant. You still have the like, you know, the millisecond, but that was like two or three seconds. And I don't know who that, I don't remember the jabroni's name, but the former official they had on CBS, they, he was saying, yeah, you know, they missed this call, but it's like, no one's, I get it. That's not going to draw a lot of attention because, I mean, holy hell, the guy hit a 66 yard field goal. And uh, I, 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 I was just, I just felt bad for the Lions. Like, you know, that fan base, man, poof. They, apparently they honored the, the owner at halftime, and that did, that did not go how she thought it would. You talk about just some loud booing the whole time. Yeah, uh, hey, it was nice to hear the Patriots fan boo uh, Mac Jones. Uh, but like, hey man, I'll I, I talk about the Saints. I want to hear what the uh, callers have to say on the other half. On, the, on excuse me, on the other, the other hour, <laughs> the eight o'clock hour. Um, I, I didn't like the play calling. Man. That was some terrible play calling. That was a play call when Jameis called a timeout and they came back and uh, Hill was the quarterback. I felt that that kind of killed some momentum just because he was kind of completing some passes <clears throat> before that. Um, like I said, though, I, I would love to see Hill throw the ball more. Um, but hey, that was a nice. They called. They called. They called a pass play for him in week one, 
I guess he completed it, but it went, I don't know, went for like a couple yards. And then they called that one where they were trying yeah. to trick him, and then you end up in the back of the – to his credit, I mean, he's fast as all get out. He ended up still getting the first down. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I I, I – I thought Taysom. I don't know. I thought he. I thought he played really well yesterday. The way they. The way they utilized him. But um, well, no, I, won't, I won't be surprised if yeah. they. If they put. I, I think it's coming. I guess is my response to you. I think you're going to see a little bit more of that, and not just so much to the running backs. But I think there's going to be some where he's throwing it. He's throwing it down the field. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right, phone lines lit up, but we are just about out of time here in the 7 o'clock hour, so hang tight. We will get to all of your phone calls. Coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, the Saints winners. UL winners, LSU winners. Winners. The winners and losers across the board in the NFL yesterday. We will get into that. NFL's weird, man. Just weird. And I love it. Don't go anywhere. Your phone calls, post-game sound from Sean Payton, Jameis Winston, and others. It's all coming your way. Great Scott Show continues the 8 o'clock hour right here on ESPN 1420. ESPN1420N.com, where sports season never ends. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN1420 and ESPN1420.com. The Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank on a Glorious Monday. If you're just joining us, you missed the first hour. I had a long convo with Coach Billy Napier. Talked a lot of football, college and pro. Saints winners over the Pats. I um, hey, <laughs> I am, I am zero for three on my Saints predictions. I don't care. The Saints are two and one, and they are finally going back home, or they are back home. They got back home yesterday. 
but a, a game where Sean Payton kind of hinted at it quite a bit during the week. It's all about turnovers when you go to New England. If you lose a turnover battle, you lose every time. And we want to run the ball. Alvin Kamara said afterwards, Sean said all week, all we want to do is really run, 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 establish the run. Uh, yeah, they went conservative, quite quite a bit conservative there in the second half, but it worked. I thought aside from the pick six by Malcolm Jenkins, which, you know what, right place, right time, the guy makes a gaffe for the Pats, and Malcolm's right there, boom, touchdown to start the second half, obviously biggest play of the game. But outside of that, I thought the second biggest play of the game was the New England's got a little momentum. It's 21 to 13. It's a one possession game. The Saints offense has been on the field for like 30 seconds in the second half. You're in the fourth quarter. You can't get anything going. And then it's third and 10. A little simple out route to Deontay Harris. They lined up trips on the right side. Or maybe it wasn't trips. Was it a triangle? Three receivers on the right side. I don't remember the exact formation. Yeah, three on one side of the line. And Harris just runs. Jameis hits him. And that single first down, you avoid the three and out. And then you go on the big boy drive. And you start running the rock. Kamara's breaking off good runs. He's moving the sticks. Taysom Hill's running the ball. Things really began to click from there. And it ends with the Taysom Hill touchdown. And from there, it was over. That was the game. Forget about it. You don't want Alzheimer Grossis. I don't even care how short the field goal is. You don't want to lie again. You needed to get the touchdown there. You did. But Harris, Winston to Harris, that play right there, getting enough time on that play to make it. Those are the plays. It extends the best drive of the game for the Saints. It extends. It, it, it took the momentum away from New England. It was beautiful. Glorious Monday, everybody. 269-1077. Phone lines are open. 269-1077. Let's get to them right now. Good morning. Welcome into the show. How are you, Kyle? Well, good morning. What's happening? Oh, man. Uh, if you told me we'd be 2-1 right now after everything that football team has been through, I'd have took it. I would have taken it and been glad to be there. Uh, so I, I know that people, uh, I, I've you know, read some forums where people are all whining and crying. They don't like the quality of football getting played. Well, I mean, that's what happens when you get spoiled by one of the greatest players that ever played the game of football. That's why he was one of the greatest players that ever played the game of football. So uh, I've watched the Saints my whole life. I'll 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 just say that yesterday that that was quality to me. <laughs> I've seen some games in this franchise. Let me tell you something. I'm not going to complain about that, especially for a team that was still missing some of their staff. Don't have, in my opinion, a quality starting receiver currently, and uh, have been away. We're away from home for well over a month. Hold on. Let's correct that. They've got one. That little Harris, Harris. Harris is good, but he's not. I mean, he's not a number one type receiver. He's he's, he's Wait, he might not be number one. I remember once upon a time when I heard, "Oh, he'll never be a receiver in the NFL," and I'm like, "The dude catches everything that's thrown to him." They he's don't. They don't. They don't currently have a number one receiver. They need that. 
I understand what you're saying. I'm just that's saying. Not, that's not a knock on Harris. That's not a knock on Harris. Here's some trivia. Here's some trivia. By the way, the sidebar, I just want to say I feel so bad for the Detroit Lions. Thank you. Me too. I, I don't know if you heard they me last actually, hour. They deserve, God, I they feel deserve bad to win that football game, but. That's the way it is. Somebody don't like somebody big upstairs does not like the Detroit Lions. Mm. So I don't know what it is, what they need to do to get right, but they somehow they ain't right because they they've had a lot of issues. But anyway, look, little trivia question before I go. You know whose record they broke, and of course it had been tied. But you know whose record they broke from Tulane Stadium, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know what the final score of that ball game ended? Nineteen to seventeen, and they beat the Lions. <laughs> that's right. That is a ride. I mentioned. That, I, I, I mentioned that last hour. The Lions have been on the wrong side of historic kicks, and yesterday to to have the the officiating gaffe just before is it? I mean, Justin Tucker is going to go to the Hall of Fame one day, but he ain't hitting a seventy-one yarder. Um, to hit a, a 66-yarder at their own place where they just kind of got screwed by the officials who, you know, it was it was a delay game. It wasn't it wasn't a half second. It was like 3 seconds. I mean, it was it was God, I mean, just the Lions. I don't I don't know. I don't know what the Fords did to tick off God, but they did something bad. Yeah, they they they've upset someone and they need to get right. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, but but one day, one day the Detroit Lions, I have a feeling, will we'll get right. All right. Later, Chief. Thanks. Bye. Ah, the poor Lions. God bless them. God bless them. And Justin Tucker, holy hell. That dude. My God. Can you imagine having a kicker like that? You know what he – on game-winning field goals in his career – or game-tying field goals at the end of regulation. We're talking all the pressure, right? Literally, win or lose on a kick. In his career, he is 16 of 16. And one of them, first of all, one of them is a 61-yarder, and another one is a 66-yarder. Both, By the way, both of those kicks came against the Lions. You can't make that up. Gosh, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Unreal. ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com. And the ESPN 1420 app. I'm Scott Prather. Your weather forecast today from the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab and Daniel Phillips. Partly cloudy, high of 87, 40% chance of showers. Tonight, partly cloudy and muggy, low of 73. Jay emails. He says, "Hey, Justin Tucker did miss against the Saints. It was, I think, an extra point. It was an extra point. Um, I didn't say a few goals. And to this day, it is the only extra point he's missed in his entire career. That was a that was some 2017. Now there was some funky stuff happening that day too, man. The wind just came in and whew, 16 to 16. And there was still a little bit at the end of that one as well." But, yeah, it's crazy that, that the most notable miss of his entire career, fortunately, came against the Saints. 
NFL Week 3. You know who had the worst day? You know who was, aside from the Lions and their fan base and Dan Campbell and that team, aside from them, the worst day in the NFL yesterday belonged to the rookie quarterbacks. Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. Week three for rookie quarterbacks in the NFL was atrocious. First of all, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson uh, lead the NFL in interceptions. They each have seven. Oh, well, neither of them have as much as Peyton Manning at his rookie year. I'm sick and tired of hearing that, well, Peyton Manning threw a bunch of picks in his rookie year, and therefore, if another guy's doing it, that you know they could, they could use that and say, hey, things can get better. Just enough. Let it go. Okay? Forget about it. Doesn't mean anything right now. Those teams with rookie quarterbacks are 1-9 this year in games that they've started. Now, some of these teams have bad offensive lines. Some of these teams are just bad. Uh, The Jets, I mean, Zach Wilson's been sacked 15 times. But they are still playing like doo-doo. Oh, they got the athleticism. They got the arm strength. It is a different game in the NFL. A different game. Trey Lance, I mean, he he came in on the end of the first half on the touchdown play. They had to have Kyle Shanahan put him in there, but he's not really starting right now. Those are the ones struggling. And Matt Nagy, I, I don't know how much longer he has in Chicago, but 26-6 to six just beat down by the hands of the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they were rushing him. They were rushing Justin Fields nonstop. And Nagy, it, it was like he almost didn't know. He's a play caller. Let, let me let me dial up a, a play that's going to take long a long time to develop, or he's going to need a, a ton of protection. Let me just keep doing that, despite the fact that my offensive line is horrendous, and Miles Garrett is just basically basically setting up shop in the backfield. What does Chicago have? 47 yards? Ooh, I get it. You put your rookies out there, see if they can do it. There's a learning curve. I'm not expecting these rookies to play good. But yesterday was particularly awful. Awful. Justin Herbert, a winner yesterday. The Chargers, a winner yesterday. They didn't charger it up. They actually finished. But don't lie. Whenever whenever they went on that extremely impressive drive, which I watched after the Saints game ended, I flipped over to CBS. They drive down the field, and Coach Brandon Staley, I mean, he was, it's like when you just go shoot baskets and you just wet. Like It's just a day. You don't want to play me in horse because I'm winning. I'm not getting a single letter here. I'm hitting everything. He, as a play call yesterday, was feeling it. And he he went for it on fourth down twice in the fourth quarter. They got first downs both times. Both drives ended in touchdowns. He audibled out of a running play into the fade that was the game-winning touchdown, which, again, eh, you know, as, as what does Tony Romo like to say? I don't know, Jim. I don't know. Tony Romo did that. 
Great play, but I don't know about that. They scored too fast. Of course, they missed the PAT. And you're thinking, uh-oh, the Chiefs are going to go down and score, but they didn't. Maybe the tide's turning. I mean, who had the Chiefs being in last place in the division? Granted, they're still really good. They're still the Chiefs, and many still have them winning the Super Bowl. But the AFC West is the best conference, excuse me, is the best division in football. But but a big win, big win for, I guess, the L.A. teams. Because the Chargers and the Rams, uh, that, that Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, that little dance they're doing together seems to be working out pretty well. There are five undefeated teams in the league. They're one of them. The Rams took down the Bucks. Wasn't really, I mean, I, but they won by 10. It didn't feel like a close game. It just felt like the Rams were the better team from start to finish. Stafford looks really good. Cooper Cup looks really good. I mean, Stafford had what, six incompletions? That's it? The players at the skill positions in L.A. are playing better now with Stafford than they did with Goff, and I think Stafford deserves credit for that. I mean, they crushed Tampa on third down, a team that's pretty loaded on defense. Rams, they got to avoid injuries at the top because they are a top-heavy roster, but when they are together, they are good. And the Bengals. My other big winner from yesterday in the NFL. The Bengals. They beat the Steelers yesterday for the first time in six years in Pittsburgh. I, you look at it and you're like, really? I mean, the Steelers outgained them. Cincinnati wasn't great on third down. But they got a consistent pass rush. Ben Roethlisberger did not look good. Did not look good. He, I, and then on the other side, I mean, you just paid TJ Watt a ton of money. A ton. Joe Burrow, who has been beaten to a pulp in his NFL career thus far, that was the, the least sore Joe Burrow has been in, been in a game since he was at LSU. The least sore he's been. I mean, he he just had a clean pocket. Bengals off to a two and one start, three way tie for first in the division. Shout out to him, man. Shout out to him. I have a Packers fans that are saying, "You're sure worst day didn't belong to the refs in the Packers Niners game?" Hey, Packers still won. I you know the the the, the catch not a catch by Sanu Junior. I. It probably it was it didn't seem like it was a catch. But it also felt like one of those on the field, they call it that way. <laughs> the Packers coach LaFleur just goes and throws the red flag really hard in front of the official. And then it was like he gave one of those looks like, oh I'm you cool. It's a cool, it's cool. I'm sorry. It's like when you have two young siblings. Or when you were younger and you were like messing with a friend and y'all are kind of just like kind of, I'll put in quotes, play fighting. And then suddenly you just maybe get, you throw one that's a little too hard. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Are you okay? Oh, I didn't mean to. Oh, you're all right. 
just whap, throw it in front of the ref on the ground. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm, I'm going to challenge the play. I'm going to challenge the play. Yeah, that's all. I was just, yeah, you saw the ref? Cool. ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. For those of you listening live on the stream, it is brought to you by Champagne Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Got some more Saint sound for you, and little Raging Cajun football highlights for you. From their 28-20 to 20 win. We'll be playing those for you as we uh, continue the show here. If you want to tweet the show, you can at ESPN1420. Here's your little teaser sound for you, if you missed it. And that is Jameis being Jameis, right? You can't coach the Jameis out of Jameis. You can only hope to tame it. He's still going to make some of the plays that make you go, Oh, good Lord, God. Oh, good God Almighty. That touchdown... So Marquez Callaway was one of those plays. Worked out, but you saw the look Sean Payton gave him when he got to the sideline. It almost felt like Jameis was afraid to just let it loose in the second half because, I don't know. I don't know what Sean Payton told him, but uh, Jameis was asked about that, and it's just God. You know what I'm saying? Talk us through your decision to throw the TD pass to Marquez Callaway, even though you were you – were- kind of wrapped up yeah. what did you see on that part? that was all God I felt zero um, so I checked it and that was all God like I was trying to throw that ball away Marquez went up there and snatched it uh, so touchdown good guys what, what was the message to you after that throw like <laughs> don't do it again but good throw or <laughs> if you're throwing away make sure you throw it away I said and I told him I said God I said coach that's all God can't get, in, can't get in the way of God's plan. As he says with a grin on his face. Glorious. Oh, man. Taysom Hill. He deserves some credit. He played well yesterday and was asked about this role. What was your mindset when, when it was time to switch back to that? Were you, were you immediately willing to do whatever they asked of you? Was it, was it, was it tough to switch back into that mode? I mean, yeah, I, I I would I'd be lying if if I if I you know I, I obviously I wanted to have the opportunity to play play quarterback, but uh, it, it wasn't my time, and so you you got to find ways to to help the team win, and um, so with that in mind, I, I was happy to step into a role that uh, gave us gave us an advantage and, and help us win, and you know. It's it's been all go uh, since then for sure. Good for him. Good stuff. We got more post game audio for you. We got some highlights for you. We got plenty in store for you. Plus, open phone lines at two six nine ten seventy seven. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show. Wide receivers left and right. Two tight ends in the game. And on first down, Lewis wants to throw it. And Levi is going for all of it. Deep downfield for Fleming. Caught. (laughs) Touchdown, Louisiana. 
Just a beautiful play, beautiful route, beautiful throw, beautiful snap, beautiful everything. You can't ask for all 11 to do any better than that he just did right there. Basically a post corner, something you can attack against cover four, and just a beautiful thrown ball, beautiful route by Dante Fleming. All around, great job. They got all six points worth of that. And Cajuns go from almost third and eight inside their 10, get a penalty. Next thing you know, they could put up six points on the board. Wide receivers left and right, two tight ends in the game, and on first down, Lewis wants to throw it. And Levi is going for all of it, deep downfield for Fleming, caught, <laughs> touchdown, Louisiana! Tomlin still has the football, and Lorenzo McCaskill says, well, I had enough of that. Sack time, back at the 37. Yeah, this Cajuns will send and Jalen Williams wide to the left. Three wide receivers to the right. Lewis pass over the middle, caught. Johnny Lumpkin, touchdown, Louisiana. Yeah, Cajun's doing a good job with this formation setup. It looked like Johnny Lumpkin was not even going to be eligible, but he gets on the line right at the last second, and he goes naked down the seam. Nobody near him. Levi Lewis does a good job. And that play was all set up by the outside man, making sure he stayed on the line of scrimmage. Just a great formation set up to put, the, put your tight end in the right spot for a Louisiana touchdown. Receiver goes in motion, and Tomlin back to throw. Has time going deep downfield, and the pass is intercepted. Percy Butler inside the 10-yard line, and uh, as plays, interceptions go, that was a fairly easy one for Butler to make back at the Man comes in motion, that is Hood, and they will run the option, and now Tomlin back to throw! Down he goes, that's a grounding. That's a fumble. That also is a fumble, but it's an intentional grounding call coming up. Zion Hill. Stop! Born in the rock and the shoe, shy, shy, shy. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Some highlights for you. Jay Walker, Richie Falgu on the Raging Cajun Sports Network from Learfield. Highlights. Louisiana winners 28-20. LSU winners over Mississippi State. We dug into that a little bit. Some college football as well. Clemson. Oof. Clemson fell back to number 25 after losing in overtime to NC State and... Talk about teams taking a significant step back this year. That would be the Clemson Tigers, the ACC as a whole, when you're undefeated teams are Boston College and Wake Forest. Florida A&M is the best. They, they have the best football team in Tallahassee right now. That's how bad FSU is. It is just, it is an interesting year. In college football, to say the least. But Bama's still good. They won 63 to, what, 14 against Southern Miss. And uh, Nick Saban in Alabama has now 100 consecutive wins against teams that are unranked. The last time Alabama lost to an unranked team was when they fell to the ULM Warhawks in 2007. Shout out ULM. 
who went like 600-plus days without winning a game and has now won two games in a row. That win ULM against Troy was the most surprising finish in the Sun Belt, honestly. It was... Whew. 29 to 16. Andrew Henry over 100 yards rushing, but uh, credit to Coach Bowden and the Warhawks. Arkansas State lost a tough one at Tulsa. Uh, Texas State, just they got absolutely manhandled by Eastern Michigan. I, I, I mean, again, I think, you know, it's tough. It's a tough business. People's jobs are on the line. They can lose your gig. Talked to Coach Napier last hour about Coach Lunsford being let go of Georgia Southern and the difficulty, that that difficult aspect of the job. And I, I think Coach Babaton, Texas State, Jay feels like he's got a few years. I, I think he's maybe these are some tough losses for, for, for the Bobcats. They seem committed to him. They gave him a, a nice contract, but they uh, they have not exactly been the the shining light in the Sun Belt. Texas State hasn't. And right now ULM is a better team. And Georgia State had Auburn on the ropes for a while and eventually lost by 10, and they weren't happy about it, um, their coach after the game. Saying SEC officials helped Auburn win that one. Coastal Carolina remains unbeaten. They remain ranked. They beat uh, UMass, one of the worst teams in the country, by 50. Did what they were supposed to do in App State back on Thursday. Beat Marshall. Big win for the conference. DSPN 1420N.com. Uh, 32 after the hour. Emails. Nate emails the show. Says, Scott, I heard you play the clip of Jameis Winston talking about God. Why do you think it's funny? I mean, I don't think it's funny that he's crediting God. I think that's wonderful. I think it's just Jameis being... I'm sorry. I don't want. I want. No, I won't apologize. I do. The thought of Jameis running over to the sideline and Coach Payton basically giving him the look of "Don't ever bleep and do that, Coach." I tried to throw it away. We'll try better next time. Uh, and and Jameis afterwards grinning and saying, "But I just told him, Coach. I mean, you can't. This God, you can't. You can't do that." I find that funny. I find the exchange funny. Saints, by the way, have opened up as an eight-point favorite against the Giants next week. Uh, it'll officially be the Saints' home opener. And the Giants lost their uh, their best defensive player for the rest of the season, unfortunately, for them. Their linebacker, captain, leading the team in tackles. Um, it was bad. Emails, let's get back to it. Charlie emails. He says, Scott, what kind of impact do you think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson had yesterday for the Saints? I think it was huge. I think having him back, obviously having Lattimore back, but CJGJ was all over the field, man. I mean, he was in the backfield a ton. Uh, his impact on the game was undeniable. I thought there were no, there were a number of things defensively about the Saints that are worth pointing out. Uh, DeMario Davis is the best player on the team, for one. I, I think he's the best player on the team. That guy's incredible. Two, Zach Bond. So much for all the preseason hype, right? I mean, he got me. He got some of us. After that performance against Carolina last week, he played seven snaps yesterday. P. 
Pete Warner was back. The rookie suited up for the first time. He took 35 snaps. It's still weird to see number 20 out there, and it's it's a linebacker, not a DB. These numbers are still messing with my mind. Uh, Caden Ellis had 34 snaps. He was much, much more involved. So Zach Bond back to being more of a special teamer and situational guy. And then with Marshawn Lake, Paulson Adebo, the rookie out of Stanford, played every single defensive snap yesterday for the Saints. Every one of them. So did Marshawn Lattimore. Bradley Roby, a move that they had to make, and you got depth and you needed corners, and I get all of that. Bradley Roby played two snaps. P.J. Williams was playing more, and he plays more in your nickel and dime packages. And Bradley Roby played two snaps on defense, two. And I don't think it's a knock on Roby as much as it's Paulson Adebo. Guy doesn't want to take a shot, but he likes to give him on the field, man. Laying people out. Shout out Brock Moe, a listener who tweeted that one out yesterday. ESPN1420N.com. And Malcolm Jenkins has been great so far this season. A lot of, I think they made the wrong decision not bringing back Von Bell and instead electing to bring Malcolm Jenkins back and Von Bell's been okay in Cincinnati. Malcolm Jenkins has been better. He's been better. ESPN fourteen twenty. Appreciate the emails, guys. Feel free to keep them coming in. Phone lines are open as well. Two six nine ten seventy seven. Sean Payton, Saints head coach, after the win yesterday. Season defense, special teams, efficient offense. Yeah, I, listen, I know this, Jeff, um, just being in this league long enough that sometimes that formula has to change. Uh, we felt like going in that, you know, we wanted to effectively run the football. Uh, obviously, ball security, you know, playing in here is a must when you consider their record at home. Um, so, uh, but I think it's too hard to say each week. I mean, it, it's going to vary based on the opponents, but uh, I thought... We did a handful of the things we were trying to do. Um, we're going to look at the tape Monday. I'm sure it's not going to be perfect, and then make the corrections. I know you talked about turnovers earlier in the week. How much did you hammer home that point to Jameis in particular? Well, to everyone. Um, you know, when you're 108 and seven at home, when you win the turnover battle, that that's significant. Um, obviously, that's a testament to to their program and. So we, we just had to be – we're mindful of it every week, but it had to be um, something that was, you know, etched in, in, in our heads every day. And uh, so I thought we took care of the football, and I thought that was important. All right, there it is. Head coach Sean Payton. We'll hear some from a guy I was just talking about. Malcolm Jenkins talking about the Saints' defensive performance, his pick six. The only players in the last decade that have more defensive touchdowns, more pick sixes, is Akeem Tlaib, who is retired, and Janoris Jenkins, Jackrabbit. Malcolm Jenkins is up there. He has eight in his career. And that one yesterday, you could say, oh, that well, was easy. And I've done another pick it six. Was, uh- it was on, excuse me, sorry, audio started early there. You could say, oh, it was easy, and... You know, the Patriots, def- yeah, you're right. It was easy. 
But when you're around the football a lot, things like that happen. And um, that was totally on New England. It was totally their fault. That was not on Mac Jones. But you got to be there to make the play. Malcolm Jenkins talked about that and more after the Saints win. On that play, um, as it unfolded in front of me. Uh, well, they actually ran the same play, I believe, a few, maybe a couple drives earlier, and Demario made a good stop on it. But they're trying to sneak the tight end, kind of, you know, onto the backside, and I end up getting picked actually, uh, I think, by my own teammate. And so, really, I'm just, I'm just rushing to my coverage, and ball gets tipped up in the air, and I'm able to come down with it. Jeff Duncan. Hey, Malcolm, and. In- Camp, you, you talked about how confident you were in this defense and how far along you were compared to a year ago. Are we starting to see the potential of, of this unit? Well, I think we're starting to see that, you know, <clears throat> we're the strength of our team, right? And then we're going to have to play big in order for our team to have success. Um, and that just is the, the identity and the formula that, that seems to be working for us. When we play stingy on defense, we take the ball away, we give our, our offense opportunities, and then when we get our special teams contributing as well, like they have, um, you know, we're, we're going to be hard to beat. And that's, you know, we think that the heart of our team uh, is going to be on our defense. ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. I'm Scott Prey, the great Scott Show. Phone lines open 269 1077. Let's head back to him. Good morning. Welcome in. Hey, did you hear anything about Armstead? No. And, and um, nothing. You know, Peyton didn't say anything after the game. Looked like it was friendly fire, but. Um, yeah. It, you know, I was. I had that down on my notes to address as far as negatives from the game. And. Hurst did a nice job coming in, but that's that's a big well, if he's out for a while, considering what you're already missing without McCoy, and on top of that, just Andrews Pete just I mean, he, he hadn't been playing well yet this year. Um and some Saints fans would tell you, well, he never plays well, which isn't true, which isn't fair. But he hasn't looked good. And so I look at the left side of that line and man, I um yeah, I, I you can say what you want about Armstead and him being injury prone and stuff like that, but you know he's he hadn't missed a ton of games the last you know season plus. He missed a you know there were some seasons he missed a lot of games, but he plays through injuries a lot. He's the captain, you know. He's one of the best left tackles in football when he's there. And I know that they like James Hurst. Cool, that's good. But I don't think you can sustain not having Armstead for a long period of time. Crazy man, when you think about uh, and um, I didn't really cheat. You know, I didn't want to look it up. It just it was just in my face, and I read the article. I was trying to think, hey man, because I, I can't remember the last time Saints won in Boston. Like I remember, like, I remember a game from '01, uh, the year they won the title, New England. Uh, that was Scott. That was one of the only Saints games I ever missed, like telecast wise, because I was uh, coming home from the, the Bayou Classic, and that game was uh, on the road. I think Ricky, that was Ricky Williams last year. Um, yeah, I think in 05, right? They lost. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and it was like a close game, I think, right? In in 05, maybe they lost like by three a, a season. They weren't very – I could be remembering it wrong, but – Oh, I, I don't know. I just know they lost. I don't know too much about that game in particular. I can't – I don't know. I just know when uh, they cheated in, um, in what, 13? Yes. Yeah, that, that game. Jeez, yeah. man, that was a junior Gallat. That wasn't a holding. That was a that was that was more <laughs> than that. Um, yeah, the last time the Saints won in New England. So did you get it? I mean, yeah, you have to go back to the to the nineties, maybe, probably. 
Yeah, uh, I think I, I think I read an article from KTC. I think. Uh, 90, I'll look. I'll look it up. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna guess somewhere in the mid nineties. I'll look it up. Yeah, now yeah. you now you got um, me now you got me curious. So yesterday they won there. The last time they won New England, they lost in 2013, as you referenced. They lost there in 05 uh, by a touchdown. They lost there in 01 by a bunch. Um, and the last time they won in New England was 95, 31 to 17 in 95. There you go. Wow, Parcells was a coach. They won um, there in 95, 92, and 89. Yeah, I think one of those years. I think 92. Didn't they go like 1 and 15? Something like that. Uh, so, yeah, um, yeah, the Patriots were, were bad. And Tommy Hodson, boy, he took some. <laughs> Talk about young quarterbacks was, getting hit a lot. He got hit a lot. I think the great Scott Zolak was around. Uh, I think he was somewhere around those rosters. I think somewhere. Uh, anyway, um, Kamara. Kamara. I can't. What you, you see him getting um, twenty four touches? You don't like uh, well twenty four carries. I'm not gonna say touches. I think he had what two or three catches. What um, you like that, or you think how long that can last? Well, I think it depends that on how last. much. I think it depends on how much he's getting the ball in the passing game as well, right? Um, I think if he's you know if if he's getting a ton of catches, like he used to draw most of the contact he'd take on his body, and you know in the breeze, it seemed like he would he would get more touches catching the ball rather than running it and so you know I think Sean Payton has said it before he wants to have him you know a little more fresh he doesn't want to he doesn't say I don't want to Christian McCaffrey him but that's what Sean Payton means um so I I you know can it last I think you want to try to keep it around 20 but I think yesterday they needed him in a big way Tony Jones is probably still kind of getting acclimated um but I think as the season goes on especially in games where you know, the run game is more heavy like it was yesterday. I don't know that it's going to be the Alvin Kamara show. I think you'll see more Tony Jones as the season goes on. But if it's a close game, you know, he trusts Alvin and he's not going to put a game in jeopardy just to give him rest either. Yeah, uh, it's, it's crazy to me how the national media is mums. Like Christian McCaffrey just, he, to me, he's he's injury prone and – I don't hear I don't hear them talking him about the money they gave him about you can't pay a running back. That, I, that I, I, yeah, and I don't I just don't understand why I don't know, man. I why was he why were they running the ball with him? <laughs> like why were they running the ball with him last week when they're the game's <clears throat> over? Like they're owning this completely dominated the Saints. Game's well over and they're sitting there just running McCaffrey off tackle. I'm like, what what is what is Matt Rule doing? And, you know, Thursday they got a win and they were excited about it. I'm like, y'all just lost Christian McCaffrey maybe for a while. And hamstring injury, that's that's not good, man, for a guy. He has some speed. He has some wills, man. He's a good oh, football player. He's, he's, um, he's a great football player, but they gotta they, they can't be giving him the ball, you know, as much as they do and expect him to just stay healthy all the time. But let me ask you this. It's called the wild cage, and when it works, it's called the wildcat. When it doesn't work, I, I that's something we'll ask Jay tomorrow. Because I noticed that uh, because uh, that was one play that I, I didn't like him. I think uh, I think they did a wild Cajun format uh, formation on I don't know fourth, and they didn't get it. I think or Levi Lewis was on it. I think I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was. Uh, I don't think he was in the uh, in the game on that particular play. I think on I could be wrong, man. I think I heard that from the broadcast. 
But yeah, ask him that tomorrow, man. I'll, I'll tune in. Um, yeah, hey, 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 one more thing. Hey, man, look, look at Jacoby Brissett's stat line. You ever seen anything like that? Man threw the ball damn near fifty times. Uh, I, I, I'll go look at it. Four yards. A, hey, look at it. I, I was like, whoa. You know, hey, did Robridge win? Robridge won, right? Go check out the scoreboard over at ESPN1420.com. We got all the scores up there. Can't read, man. <laughs> Stop okay. it. Have a good one. All right, Jacoby Brissett. No, I didn't I didn't see that stat line. I remember some games, actually Dolphins games back when Jimmy Johnson was there where Marino threw like well over fifty. Let's see. You know what? I'll we'll check that stat line and uh the biggest Overreaction to week three. Legit? Is it worth it? Is the overreaction the right reaction? Or is it simply an overreaction? Kind of butchered that tease, but you know what? We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show. Scott Prather, the king of sports talk radio. Surprised? Certainly not. The first year we... Took it to the limit. Uh, what? The Great Scott Show with Scott Prather. ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Steal the show. Perpetrators, we can point them out. So if you got something on your mind, lay it out. Like a Nexus 6, coming home to boost. Handheld, put the aid when it's time to get loose. We need to hear goggles, looking through the speakers like a scientist. With troops and beakers, have MCs up on my house. Welcome back into the great Scott Show, the great sports callers open think tank. All right, I, I, I've seen a lot of reactions in the NFL. If anything that football has taught me in life is that nothing draws more overreactions than a single Sunday at NFL football. Big conclusions are drawn only to be torn apart a week later. One overreaction out there is that the Steelers are the worst team in their division. I think that is an overreaction. Well, but they're in the last place. Look, I'm not telling you the Steelers are good. I'm just telling you they're not bad. They beat the Bills. Okay? They beat the Bills in Buffalo. They have some injuries where they're going to get some guys back. They were missing their best receiver yesterday. Watt, TJ Watt, Highsmith, they're great defensive players. They're not going to be out long term. And Mike Tomlin has never finished a single season with a losing record. And I'm happy for the Bengals fans that they got a win against Pittsburgh and they're off to a strong start, but they got a long way to go. Baltimore got helped by uh, NFL record field goal and the refs officiating gaff to win yesterday and lost another game in overtime. And, you know, it's, I, no, I'm not, I'm not going to put all of that on the Steelers quite yet. I mean, no team in that division is 3-0 and right now. The other overreaction is Aaron Rodgers is going to win MVP again. Did you see what happened last night? He might win MVP, but guys, we're three weeks into the season. Okay? The narrative around Rodgers will help. 
He's going to be in the headlines constantly. That'll help. He was amazing. The fact that he is great, that helps. But at this point, it's an overreaction. The Rams, favored in the NFC, I don't think that's an... thing about the Rams is they're just not the deepest team in the league. They're Like I said, they're top-heavy. Right now, okay, I'll buy it. I, I could say maybe it's it's not an overreaction, but it's week three. It's a 17-game season. You got a long way to go. Let's wait till like week six or seven because one injury, boom, to one of their top-heavy star players. It's not like you're always gonna you're always gonna have a big drop off when you go from star player to backup, but I think in LA this year it's 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 even more extreme than that. What a fun show! Big thanks to the listeners, to the callers, to all of you. Thanks to Billy Napier who joined me in the seven o'clock hour. Hey, shout out to the U.S. Ryder Cup team. Blowout win. I mean that was just complete domination. Complete domination. Didn't really get time to get into it, but um, and the fact that it was happening on a football week, and maybe not a folk, a lot of folks saw the United States Ryder Cup just complete domination. Nineteen nine victory. Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau were somehow getting along. Offenses can be mended, I suppose. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. We'll have uh, we're gonna have a guest on at the eight in the seven o'clock hour. Not sure who yet. Working on it, but Pelicans media day today. After the story that dropped last week from Christian Clark, you know there's gonna be some sound from that. We'll have some more on the Cajuns as well. Jay Walker will be in in the eight o'clock hour. Can't wait to talk to you guys tomorrow. Greeny's next. It's ESPN fourteen twenty. What up, guys? It's Scott Fraser from The Great Scott Show, and it has been a great start to the NFL season, and it's only getting better at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. Because DraftKings putting new customers in the center of the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. you got to get in on the action right now. It's simple. You just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, see your team stacks up against the competition. It's fun. It's a blast. It makes watching games that much better. Feel the action like you haven't before with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes DraftKings is safe secure and reliable and the best part is you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want download the DraftKings app now and use code 1420 this week new customers can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes enter code 1420 to get that free shot at millions of total prizes all with your first deposit that's code 1420 only at DraftKings the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL minimum five dollar deposit required eligibility restrictions apply see DraftKings.com for details